0: Welcome to Credit Hour, a weekly thought-provoking conversation with the brightest minds from the University of South Dakota. They get the credit, we ask the questions. This is Credit Hour. On today's episode of Credit Hour, we speak with Eric Sandhurst, one of the founders of Draco, or the Dakota Research and Consulting Organization. Eric, how are you doing this morning?
1: Pretty good. Yeah, it's been, been kind of a, an interesting year, you know, as you can imagine.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. Um, I mean, w- before we get started, uh, you work for an organization called Draco, um, and you've been a student at USD um, for quite a long time. But before we kind of get into that, w- what is your background?
1: Yeah, so I, I'm originally from
0: South Dakota, um, grew up in Sioux Falls with my sister and my parents,
1: and I think I got to where I am now because I've always had a, a strong interest in science and how things work at a fundamental level. A lot of my childhood was spent outdoors, you know, camping and fishing and exploring. And I was kind of just left alone a lot of the times to to go do whatever. And I would say that the natural world was kind of one of my first teachers. You know, there's a lot of things to observe and and explore. And, you know, as a, a young child, I didn't always understand everything. And a lot of the questions that I was asking the people around me eventually, <laughs> you know, there, there were too many questions. And I was just encouraged to go find my own answers. Um, so I think I've always had an insatiable appetite for learning and exploring. Um, and it's gotten to me, it, it's gotten me into trouble sometimes. Uh, one, one story that I can think of, I was five or six years old and walking with my parents and hiking. And I saw a uh, little Brown and an orange Caterpillar crawling across the trail. And I picked it up and put it in my pocket because we needed to keep moving. And, you know, after a while, started itching and broke out and hives all over my chest and arms, and the specimen had to be set free. But I guess that was my maybe my first experience, um, kind of using myself as a, a test subject, and and the reaction, I guess, was the data. So that's kind of you know one story that kind of talks about my background and you know how I got
0: to where I am today. I think, but it didn't scare you away. No, it didn't scare
1: me away. No, I was. I think it drew me in more. Because it was like, how did this happen? This thing looked so innocuous, and it it caused such a an unexpected reaction that it just kind of got my little brain working even harder. So, Eric,
0: what did you major in in undergrad?
1: Yeah, so I um, I was originally a physics major, but after meeting some of the math and physics faculty, it didn't really seem like the right fit for me at the time. I had a really great physics teacher in high school and took AP Physics and really really liked that um, you know, style of science that I was, I was working on. Um, uh, but I, I switched to biology after meeting some of that faculty and really thought it was a good fit. So I was on the pre-med track and then I, I got minors in chemistry and psychology along the way. Um, and then really never looked, looked back after, after getting into, you know, the biology, anatomy, physiology, genetics, and, and just learning about medicine and the human
0: body. And so then, what was the path to graduate school like?
1: Yeah, so during undergrad, um, I was able to take a couple international trips, and 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 I really liked exploring new cultures. But the trips were kind of fast paced—you know, a couple days here in this country and a couple days there. And I really wanted to find a, an opportunity to have a really immersive cultural experience. So after Graduating with my undergrad degree in biology, uh, I needed to take a step away. And I was interested in applying to med school at that point, but I needed to, to step away just from my own personal endeavors. And I became a Peace Corps volunteer. So I um, was sent to Tanzania, ended up teaching science in Tanzania in a very rural environment, a, a mountain rainforest, it was a fantastic experience. Um, and so I think my, my love for science and education only really deepened at that point. But after seeing some of the innovation and entrepreneurship that grew out of necessity in those areas, I knew that was going to be a part of my life going forward. So after returning to the States, um, I explored several graduate education pathways, um, including epidemiology and biomedical engineering, both of which would allow me to work closely you know, in medicine and work with physicians but also allow me to explore kind of the, the social aspect with epidemiology or the engineering side of medical science with bio- biomedical engineering. So kind of, oh, yeah.
0: Oh, no, I was just going to say with your background um, and interest in epidemiology, I, I'm curious what your, some of your thoughts are with uh, the current situation uh, gripping us with COVID and stuff like that. Um, but did you, then, did you immediately apply for a, a PhD doctoral program, or did, or did you start with a master's level program?
1: So, I, I applied to a PhD program because most of the programs that I, were, I was looking at um, were predominantly PhD because I was interested in, in the challenge of, of kind of taking on my own project and really growing over the program. The master's degrees that I looked at were, you know, they had somewhat of a research focus, but it didn't allow me to, to get as deep in as I wanted to
0: and so what then drew you um you know to the university of south dakota's phd program
1: i settled on biomedical engineering due to the projected growth in the field and especially in sioux falls with the two major hospitals and kind of the growing relationship with academia and and the hospitals with the sanford school of medicine um, and and the few biotech companies that had had emerged in the area over the last five to ten years you know and, and when i when i toured the gear center in sioux falls i really liked the culture there there's a lot of collaboration between lab groups even though each one kind of had their own focus but you know working in a collaborative environment like that there's a lot of high-tech equipment and you know you can't be expected to be an expert in all of them so it, it allowed me to to tap into the the institutional knowledge and the i don't know the foundation of knowledge that people had and all these pieces of equipment and and areas of expertise but I think I, I grew a lot more than I would have if I were have joined another program.
0: You know, I, it makes me think back a few years ago when we met. I think we met at the the GEAR Center, um, and you were working with Dan Engelbritson at the time, um, who was leading the the institution. Um, you know, I, I guess, what is your takeaway from the years that you kind of spent in that program? What did you, um, I guess, really take away from the experience? Well, in, in addition to
1: kind of, you know, the, the technical skills that I gained, you know, Dan had this really interesting perspective that anyone can be an entrepreneur. And so as I was kind of learning about it, you know, a new space in, in biomedical engineering, um, you know, 3D tissue culture was is kind of what I wrote my, my dissertation on in the project that I was working on. And one of the reasons that I got into biomedical engineering in the first place was it being a cutting-edge field. And so it actually paired really well with entrepreneurship, that if you're developing you know, n- new research that is going to change the field, why not go into the, that research with the mindset that this can also be a product or a service that can be commercialized? So I think that's one of the, the big things that I got out of the program that was kind of unique, I think.
0: Well, and so then when would you start... Um, DRACO. That, that was one thing that we wanted to talk to you today about. What, what is DRACO? What does it stand for? What is the organization's mission?
1: Yeah, so DRACO stands for Dakota Research and Consulting Organization. Uh, we started the, the company in 2017. Um, there was four of us that originally started it. We were all kind of coming from the, the science side, but we had all been introduced to this idea of, of commercialization or starting new companies. And especially in the high-tech, high-growth biotechnology field, um, and we felt there was kind of something kind of just under the surface um, in South Dakota and especially in Sioux Falls that showed that we were needed. So we did a little more research and in, into you know it, are our services needed, and we kind of settled on on two main goals after speaking with students and and stakeholders and you know academic like faculty and, and administrators that universities want their technology to be commercialized, the ones that have, you know, a space in the commercial market. But there's a lot of challenges for academics understanding that, that transition to the private sector. So there's a lot, of, a lot of need for that early stage coaching and mentoring and guidance, especially since new companies don't have a lot of money, that we can maybe provide that cost-effective service while also addressing one of the other needs, is that there's a lot of students, especially STEM graduates, leaving the state. And so if we can provide them with an opportunity to, you know, professional develop, with professional development on their own by working in, you know, a real-world situation, kind of helping a new company get started, and that company gets cost-effective services, and these students get a really unique experience that kind of complements what they... What they learn in the classroom in the lab. So those are our, our two main
0: kind of focuses, really. Yeah. So so run me through the process. So you, you talked about obviously um, your organization helps. Um, I guess new companies that are based on you know the research that gets developed at um, you know, universities like USD or SDSU, and then and then you kind of help with that initial lift. What would be some I guess the typical challenge that you see um, companies run into when they're just trying to get started and just trying to commercialize, um, you know, some of the research that they're doing that they've turned into an invention or a new idea.
1: Yeah, so we we tend to work quite a bit with university tech transfer offices. That's where an academic researcher would coordinate with uh, on campus, saying, "Hey, you know, I have this new invention." They disclose it to the university, and then that technology transfer office kind of helps them, you know, ideally to decide if this idea is commercializable and if they should patent it. Well, you know, University of South Dakota and SDSU and School of Mines don't have these large technology transfer offices like University of Minnesota, where, you know, they have a staff of 15 to 20. And so Draco acts as an external partner to work with the technology transfer office and help the, the inventor... You know, understand what their goals are. Do they want to start their own company? Do they want to keep doing research and maybe act as a technical advisor on the side if this new company you kind know, of spins off based on their technology? So, one of the things that we we do early on is is help understand un, help the researcher understand what their motivations are. You know, what the possibilities are with this type of technology, and really provide that landscape analysis of of what the commercial market is related to this technology, and if it does have um,
0: commercial potential. What would be some, I guess, success stories? Yeah, so we've
1: we've worked with um, researchers at USB. One of our early projects was with um, Dr. Etienne Piba and Carol They are both in bioinformatics, part of the biomedical engineering department, And they had a a really interesting bioinformatics software where it would kind of, it's like a really highly tailored search engine that would bring back a list of of results or data that wouldn't just be, you know, an almost endless list of results, but it would be highly tailored, would be annotated with, you know, the the author, the date, just really useful information for, for researchers as they're preparing their experiments or, or conducting their research. And one of the best ways for, for researchers, especially academic researchers, that have worked with the National Science Foundation before, is to help them get into this, this program called Innovation Core through the National Science Foundation, or i And this program is a, an intense six-week project that's focused almost entirely on understanding the target customer segment and determining if there's a, a good market fit. So we worked with Dr. Impiba and Dr. Lushbaugh, um, recruited a couple students to be part of this team and helped them secure an i award, which is $50,000 for these teams to conduct market research and customer interviews. So we helped them go through this process, um, helped train them and coach them into conducting really effective interviews. And through this, this process, over the six weeks, there's, the team is supposed to conduct 100 interviews. And then you take that data and it should point into a, a direction or at least exclude other directions of where the company should go and where co- potential customers are really interested in their product. And that's that's really helpful for early stage companies because that's what investors want to hear. They want to hear that you have analyzed your market fit, that you've talked to customers, and there's a real need. So that was one success story. And they've, they've submitted another award um, called the Small Business Innovation Research Grant. Um, that kind of takes the companies to the next level. And there's kind of a, a process that most academic researchers kind of follow um, is to get some early stage money to do research development and customer discovery, and then to take that and then to apply for a research that, or a, an award or a grant that really allows you to take your company forward, you know, 150, dollars $250,000, um, that seed money to get it going. You
0: know, and so we've we've done some. Oh yeah. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. Sorry to interrupt you there. You know, you mentioned um, just the kind of collaborative nation, the or notion that um, you know you recruited different students and stuff to get involved in the project. How often does does that happen, where you're able to involve um, you know other partners or you know even just students on campus with the research or the marketing um, or the development of a project? Uh,
1: that that is our ultimate goal is to create these cross functional teams. So one one of the challenges that Um, academic researchers or early-stage companies face is finding the right team to support the growth and development of that new company. So it's rare to find one person that has all the time and expertise to carry out the research, do the development, design, marketing, customer outreach, business planning, all of those things. So it really helps to have a team that can share those burdens um, and, and communicate effectively to take that company forward. And so it's also a challenge to find the right person to put them in the right position. So a lot of inventors feel like, well, this is my technology. I need to be in charge of this company when there are much better, you know, people are much better suited to be a CEO and that inventor is actually best equipped to be the chief scientific or technical advisor. And so we we try to, to create really, really strong management teams with multidisciplinary roles. So business and marketing, like you said, um, the researcher, sometimes their graduate student that has, has been working on this project for years, and then the these students and, and researchers and team members, especially the students, really have a positive experience because the whole time they're working on this project, they're gaining communication skills and how to communicate directly with another field, and those translate to skills as part of their their career path. You know, if you're if you're an engineer, you need to be able to talk to marketing and business and and the, the development side because they're not often using the same language and they're not often interacting on campus or, or in classrooms where they're working on these team projects. So we find that pairing these students together really gives them these these Valuable skills to help them succeed after they graduate. You
0: know, do you have any other examples of success stories or projects that you're working on? Yeah, so so
1: we mentioned the the call project and the, the software from from USD. We also worked with another team at the School of Mines. Um, they have a, a life science technology, and Dr. Scott Wood is the inventor over there. And we helped them get a a state grant to do some research and development. Um, and during that time, we, we recruited a team of his graduate student, a USD Beacom School of Business undergraduate student, and a retired CEO. So, so we really feel like these four roles are, are really great for early stage companies because you have the seasoned professional that can provide advice on, you know, what they've seen in the field, um, kind of help them avoid some pitfalls. You have the inventor and their graduate student that are intimately familiar with the technology and then a business student who can provide, you know, kind of some some analysis and marketing and, and a really fresh perspective on the commercial potential. And they, we told them about our experience with i as well. And so they they thought that would be a really valuable experience for them. So we secured a, an i award, $50,000 and helped to prepare that team again for the customer interviews and, and pitching. Um, and they're working on their next grant as well. So so we, we take this team to the I-Corps, uh, and then at the end, take all their customer data, all their scientific R&D data, and kind of prepare a comprehensive report that they can use either for investors, if, if they find women's interested, or they can use it to prepare a proposal for some of these seed, seed fund grants. But in addition to working directly with Um, researchers, Draco is working on another interesting project that we're calling the Catalyst Initiative. And the goal of the Catalyst Initiative, uh, we launched it in September of 2020, and the program is aimed at generating more interest in student-driven state and national competitions. So that can be business competitions, engineering, design, Uh, you know, such as the Governor's Giant Vision Competition in South Dakota or the Hull Prize, which is an international competition. And the goal or, you know, what we feel is really valuable from this project is that competitions are sort of the student version of a startup company. You know, many of the skills are the same. You know, you have to have a prototype or a minimum viable product. You have to go through business planning. You know, it helps to find the right team. Going through this process, you have to learn communication skills, working on a cross-functional team. And then presentation and pitch skills are often a part of these competitions. So going through this process, you know, whether you want to be an entre- entrepreneur or not, you learn quite a few valuable skills. Um, and, and it's really fun. A lot of the students that we've talked to that have gone through these really enjoy the experience. Because um, it, it, it's exciting and love lot them to get to travel And and, and they're cross-functionally. And so the goal of this is to create a a statewide network where students can collaborate and find partners across institutions because, you know, like we've done with our commercialization teams, a lot of the skills that these students need on their competition teams are from different departments and often from different universities. So on on our website, we have a map where all the teams that are competing in these competitions can drop a pin where they're located and they can provide a brief description of their project and they can use that to recruit or discuss their idea with other team members and and try to form that that winning team and we also want to encourage you know business mentors um, to partner with these teams and provide that seasoned expertise um, because it, it really is you know part of the the growth and development of this the students and the next generation of workforce in our state and so Uh, You know, even though we're in just the first few months of this, we've seen a lot of interest, and we hope that we can continue continue growing this catalyst initiative.
0: Eric, I think you have a interesting perspective. I mean, you not only have started kind of your own, um, you know, company, but you are on the ground floor, and you get to see a lot of companies develop um, from their initial, you know, startup stage. Is there anything, just with your experience watching kind of these um, companies grow and develop that you might be able to tell us as far as what, what is going to make a new company successful.
1: Yeah, so there, there are a few um, kind of key things that, that new companies need to succeed. You know, and if we, if we take the example of an academic inventor or even, a, you know, a community innovator, someone that has an idea that wants to start a new company, they have to understand, you know, that, that starting this new company is probably very different than what they've been doing in the past. So knowing, knowing the pathway and knowing that it, you know if, if you're an academic inventor, that it's going to be a completely different mindset going from, the, from an academic in, endeavor into the private sector and that this, the R&D that they've been doing um, in, in their academic environment, they're going to need to pivot a little bit and it might be uncomfortable. So having those conversations early about expectations is really important, and knowing how much time it takes. You know, we we don't want anybody to to completely abandon you know their day job or what they're doing to pursue this, because a lot of this can be done this early stage. You know, research and development and and business development can be done kind of on the side until they reach that go or no go decision. You know, and, and we, Draco, we've developed a, a process to kind of do this efficiently, just a few hours a week, especially if you have the right team, um, that you can make that decision without impacting your your life too much. So I think having clear expectations really helps and then finding that team. And and that's why we wanna be a partner to researchers and inventors and, and entrepreneurs and help them find the right team members for them to succeed. And then the last kind of key thing is money, and so knowing where to find that that early stage investment, or knowing how to spend the little money that you do have, really effectively, and that's where we want to be a partner as well, you know, and and to helping secure small grants to to move the needle a little bit, um, and then using the information we gather from that stage to you know apply for for another grant, and then get these inventors or these teams in in front of investors and really preparing them with all the information they need to be confident to pitch their idea. And and, and investors want to know that these teams have thought about the common challenges of, you know, are the people on the team in the right position? You know, have they created the the best environment for success? Have they considered who their customer is and, and does their customer want this? So, you know, kind of to recap, the right mindset, the right team, and the right data to secure that that next round of funding.
0: You know, Eric, you've mentioned obviously we've been talking about biotechnology and, and its expected growth growth here in South Dakota. I mean, what do you expect to see um, from the biotech sector in Sioux Falls, um, and, and how do you think that Draco will play into that?
1: Yeah, so, I, you know, I've, I've
0: expected, you know,
1: the biotechnology sector to grow maybe a little faster than it has. And, and I think that's, you know, the mindset of an entrepreneur and, you know, a, a young professional that's excited to help, you know, a, a new or, or growing sector in an environment really really flourish. But, you know, look, looking out to five years or even 10 years, I think that South Dakota is a really great place to start a company. We have a really attractive you know, business, environment, and tax structure for new companies to start here, Um, and and especially to scale up. I think that's really valuable to investors to know that, you know, you have a scalable company and that, you know, the the manufacturing space and capabilities are here. But I think if you look at the two largest metropolitan areas of Sioux Falls and Rapid City, they both have really strong economic development plans. And there are a lot of collaborations and infrastructure to support sustained growth. And so, if if, uh, if we're looking at the biotechnology sector specifically, we can rely on you know partnerships with the universities, the healthcare institutions that are that are growing and developing their businesses into new areas such as clinical research or new medical devices, and, and really growing their internal innovation mechanisms. And then look, working with the, the development the business development entity is already in the state. So there's a lot of assistance mechanisms available. And I think it's really important for, you know, the development of of a new sector of our economy to help new companies understand the pathway and and how to access those resources, you know, at the appropriate time and, and effectively. And I think if we can manage those partnerships, and create positive expectations. We can solve, you know, kind of two problems at once. You know, one is do companies want to come to South Dakota? Because there's growing startups on one hand, that's really great. But we also need existing companies to to round out the other side of of the growing a new sector. And do we want companies to to come to South Dakota? Of course we do. But we need to help them understand that that the workforce is here, that the connections and collaborations in the environment is good to support their, their company. And then I think that creates a really vibrant atmosphere to keep young professionals and, and graduates in the state because if those companies are coming here, we need to show them that we have a capable and talented workforce that is interested in staying here. So I see the biotechnology sector of the next five years, if, if we can kind of balance those two areas I think that we see a lot of growth here, and and I think it's really exciting.
0: You know one thing i I find really interesting about Draco and you know your ability, I guess kind of wear multiple different hats in a role, right? Like you connect the mm-hmm. dots for people, I think If there is one thing that you wish maybe entrepreneurs knew about science or the opposite, one thing that you wish, maybe the scientists knew about entrepreneurship, what what would advice would you give both parties?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So I think, you know, scientists kind of inherently are entrepreneurs. They, they are exploring a new space and creating something new. And so I think creating new collisions and, and creating conversations and building bridges between these fields that might not feel they have a lot in common um, and doing the work to connect those dots. Because the, the more conversations and inclusions that we can create, you know, between the entrepreneurial space and the ecosystem and the scientists, you know, whether they're on university campuses or, or in companies, that new ideas will, will come from that. Or we can we can create conversations that that can help solve problems. You know, people have ideas all the time, but without the the opportunity to share those ideas and the space to explore those, they, they just remain ideas. You know, and, and one thing we, that we want to do as an organization with Draco is to destroy the, the silos that are within maybe different fields or even universities and create more bridges and connections between them. Because I think that's one of the ways that South Dakota can really grow in this startup ecosystem space and, and, Utilize our, our resources that might be geographically separated, but are really powerful. And so I think, you know, you, you said yourself, connecting those dots, creating those collisions and, and creating new conversations among our very talented um, researchers and entrepreneurs in the state is, is going to make the difference.
0: You know, Eric, to shift gears here, our last question is a little bit more philosophical in nature, but I'm curious what your um, answer is going to be. You've lived, I think, a pretty interesting life. you have interested in science. Um, you've lived abroad. You've, you know, served in the Peace Corps. Um, you've come back to South Dakota and, um, you know, I think are on uh, the cutting edge of a—or uh, you're on the ground floor, I think, of a cutting edge industry. Um, and you're really helping try to promote that in our state. At this point in your life, what do you know for sure?
1: What do I know for sure? I know that there are a lot of ideas out there. And the execution of those ideas is what changes the world.
0: And we can
1: empower people to share their ideas it will lead to more execution and a, and a better world in my opinion.
0: Um, Eric, thank you so much for taking the time with us uh, this morning and thank you for the work that you're doing here in South Dakota. Like I said, I, I met you a couple years ago um, at the gear center at the discovery district in, in Sioux Falls. And um, it's been interesting to see your journey and to watch um, your company develop. And I'm excited to see where it's going to go in the future.
1: Yeah. Thanks for time, Michael. It's been really great speaking to you today and I'll be sure to share any updates and Yeah, thanks for following along on the journey.